We have different, uh, just beautiful, incredible feast days throughout the year, celebrating different events of Jesus' life. Uh, yeah, events of our salvation. We celebrate Mary, we celebrate the saints. In some ways, this is the one feast in which we pause and we realize what we're doing this whole time. And we celebrate the Mass itself. So we pause and we realize with great awe and wonder and humility, like what it is we're doing here. Because what we're doing here is just beyond belief. We celebrate the Last Supper, which began all of this. We celebrate a commandment that Jesus gave. He said, do this in memory of me. And for 2,000 years we've remembered him. And we've been faithful to that command. We do this year in, year out, in memory of him, of him. Why was it so important to him that we would do this again and again and again? It's really important to Jesus that we're doing it tonight. It's really important because his heart is just bursting with love. There is an infinity of love in his heart for you and for me. And he is aching with this pain of love to pour out his love to you. It's like his heart is bursting. It's so full. So he's not just content with totally giving himself in love to the apostles one time. No, he, he has to do it again and again. Because again, why? Because his love for you, his mercy for you is new every day. And he's overflowing, bursting and aching to give this love again and again. This is the feast in many ways of the tenderness and closeness of Jesus' love for us. The apostles never experienced his love in a way that was more intimate and close, even in a way that was more bodily than this, this moment, the Last Supper. And the ardor and the beauty of the Last Supper has not faded with time. There is a way in which you are present at the Last Supper. And Jesus, as he said to the apostles, says, gosh, I've just longed to have this meal with you, for this moment with you. I've waited for it. I've longed for it. Some of you are like, Jesus, I just saw you on Sunday. And he's like, yeah, it's been too long. And his eyes filled with tears, with a sense of his love and his longing for you. The beginning of the gospel says that Jesus loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. This just both means that he loved them to the end of his life, but it could also be translated, he loved them to the utmost to the deepest depths of his heart. Jesus loves you with everything. Everything. Everything he is and everything he has, every fiber of his being and his body, he loves you with all of it. And he doesn't want to love you at a distance. Not 10 feet, not one feet, not one inch. No, he doesn't want any distance between you and him. Now he wants to eliminate all distance, all estrangement, all alienation, all separation. He wants to eliminate all of that. And he does so by becoming very humble and very gentle and in some ways very, very little and vulnerable and giving himself to you. The God of the universe becomes so small that you can receive him into your body because he wants to dwell with you. 
Jesus is aching and dying and desiring to give his whole life to you and to live in you in communion and love. You are so beautiful and so good that you were created to be filled with the life of God, to be a dwelling place of God. That's why you exist. And from the beginning of creation, God is longing for this communion, this intimacy. There is a way in which the Eucharist, Jesus giving us his body and blood and us receiving it, was the meaning of all of creation. It was the purpose from the beginning. God created us knowing that someday this hunger and longing inside of us would need to be filled. And this desire for God, this desire for infinite love, for joy, for communion, for peace, would become so great in us, in all his people, that the only thing that would initiate it would be God himself. Your dignity is beyond belief. You are made to be a recipient of the living God. Jesus longs, not just for all of us, but for you specifically. He longs to be in communion with you. He longs to come very close to you. There's something really beautiful about the fact that at the Last Supper itself, as Jesus is giving himself to the apostles, what does he do? He draws close to them in the part of their body that they're probably most embarrassed about. That's kind of dirty. Jesus washes their feet. And like everything that Jesus does, especially in the Gospel of John here, there's different levels that are going on. So yeah, their feet are dirty because they've been living life and they've been walking on dusty roads with sandals. Their, their feet are, are dirty, dirty. But it's also a sinful, symbol of their sinfulness. They're good. They've been made clean by his love, but their feet are dirty. They've fallen into sin. And Jesus draws close to the place of sin, to the place of dirtiness, and he doesn't come to condemn. He doesn't come to reject or to mock. What does he come to do? He comes to cleanse. And he does so with his hands. There's something almost startling about how close God comes. He comes and he touches their feet. And you can imagine the gentleness and the tenderness with which he washes their feet. Jesus just had a few more hours to spend with him. He only had a little more time. And the very thing he wanted to do was come really close and be really tender and wash their feet. It's kind of scary to let Jesus come that close. Amen? The report is we've got 12 people corralled to have their feet washed tonight. I don't envy the person who's in charge of getting 12 of you to wash their feet, to allow me to wash your feet, because you don't want to do it, do you? Because why? It's not because you're like, oh, my feet are just so beautiful, and it'll be really distracting for everyone, and they'll be like, my gosh, those feet, look at those feet, right? No, it's because you're embarrassed, and you don't want to show your feet, and your feet have lived a life, so they've, they've been shaped by life and affected by life, and so you want to hide them. I don't, I don't blame you. I'm the one person that doesn't get called to ask to have their feet washed, because I'm doing the washing. Um, there are times in the confessional when I really get to see you when you really show yourselves 
and you show your places of pain and even your places of sin and sorrow. And if you knew what happened to my heart when I get to see you there, no one would ever hide from the confessional again. Because you're very beautiful and you're very good. And even when you let me see the tender places as a priest, like, oh, I just love you. And I am a limited, sinful man who is selfish and prideful and a lot of other things. And so I tremble to imagine what happens in the heart of Jesus when he gets to draw close to you, even in the places that you're really embarrassed of, that you're ashamed of, that you want to hide. You don't have to hide. Peter says, you're never going to wash my feet. Jesus says, if you don't let me wash my feet, wash your feet, you'll have no part in me, meaning I've come to love you. Like I've come to be tender to you. And if you don't want that, like that's all, that's all I've got. Like that's all I want. But Jesus is like, no, I want, I want to draw close to that one place, that one spot, to like really be tender to it, to love you there. And you don't have to hide. I want to bless you. I want to draw close to that one place that you're most ashamed of or embarrassed of and to, to be very tender to you there so that you know I just love you. And my love is what will make the dirtiest places you clean. Some of us think that we need to hide the dirty places from Jesus and show him all the shiny places and somehow he'll just forget about this and then we can move on. No, no, no. No, Jesus longs to come close to the dirty place, to the sinful place. But again, he makes it clean, not by condemning it, not by removing it, not by ignoring it, no, but by loving it. Love alone will save the world. Love alone will save you and me. We need love, and not a little. And thank God that's all he has to give. So there would have been something very disarming about Jesus' tenderness and his love for them in this very vulnerable place. And you can just imagine the softness of these men's hearts in this room with Jesus. Something happened. He speaks to them of their, his desire to be one with them, to bring them to the Father. And then he gives them his body and his blood. Because Jesus is so overcome with love for them that he wants to give him his very self. Jesus is overcome with love for you. He wants to give you everything. He holds nothing back. What's happening at the Last Supper is Jesus is looking ahead towards the crucifixion. He knows his life is going to be taken from him in violence and in hatred, but he preempts that by giving his life away in love so that the very cross becomes an act of love. And the cross becomes an act of love for you. Oftentimes when Jesus is depicted in the second station receiving the cross, he receives it with love. He embraces it. Sometimes he's giving it a hug. And he's thankful to the cross because it allows him to lay down his life for you so that he can give you all of himself. Jesus on the cross is keeping the promise of the Last Supper. He says, I give my whole life to you to save you and to be united to you. I promise. And on the cross, he keeps his promise. He lays down his life. And in doing so, Jesus shows us, as he always is showing us, what the Father is like. 
which means God the Father lays down his life for you. You all have different experiences of what a dad is like. And everybody's dad has failed and everybody's dad has succeeded in some ways. But Jesus shows us that the Father is just like him and he wants to lay down his life. You are more important to him than he is to himself. That's his love for you. Jesus is most like his father on the cross and here at the Last Supper as he's washing the feet of his disciples with great tenderness. He is here an image of what the father is like. If it's scary, this image of God the Father coming very close to us and touching us in these places where we feel shame, then we don't quite know him yet. He's just so tender and he's so kind. And again, he just just loves you and just you like you 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 the way that you are that's what he loves you don't have to change for him to love you like no it's too late he's already he's already you've already caught his eye he's already captivated by you and there's welled up in his heart this desire to give you everything to just give you everything including his own self So Jesus in the Eucharist, as he gives us his body and blood, is also showing us the Father who wants to surrender himself to you, to give his whole self to you. And receiving the Son, you receive his life, he takes flesh in you, you become him. And then you receive what Jesus receives all the time, which is what? It's the Father. The Father at all times is giving himself to the Son, which means the Father at all times is giving himself to you in love. And the love between Jesus and the Father is so, so powerful that it has a name, and its name is the Holy Spirit, which means that the love between God the Father and you is so strong that it has a name. What's its name? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus has been waiting for this moment from the beginning of time to, to deeply draw you in with love and intimacy and mercy into the very life of God, into the life of the Trinity, to give himself totally to you. And the greatest gift that you can give him is yourself. Jesus' heart does long for a, for a gift from you as he gives himself to you totally and completely, holding nothing desire that you would surrender yourself back to him that he might receive you as a gift as you receive communion union with him gosh he just wants to be close to you he just longs for it my desire is that the Holy Spirit would come upon us tonight and give us an experience with the the Eucharist that we might receive it in a way we've never received it before that we would notice like Jesus' eyes as he looks at you, as he longs to give himself to you. It's just beyond anything, anything we could hope or imagine. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to hide. You don't have to run. You don't have to get him to do it. You don't have to convince him. He's just all in. And he sees all of you. He sees your feet. And even your feet move him to deep love and tenderness. We celebrate a few things today and tonight. We celebrate the Last Supper.
the fact that at every Mass we get to receive the God of the universe, which is just something that our minds cannot contain. We celebrate in some way today the oils that the bishop blesses that we'll use in the coming year, oils to, to claim for Christ, to heal, to consecrate with the Holy Spirit. These oils were blessed by the bishop at the Chrism Mass. We celebrate the gift of the Eucharist. We're going to bless a chalice and paten this evening. They were given to the church as a memorial for Marty Wagner, who especially at the very end of his life just had a deep love and connection with the church. It was really beautiful in the last, in kind of the twilight of his life. He got to receive the Eucharist again here at the church. And then when he was not able to come here, Jesus went to him. He received the Eucharist at home. Marty, in love and gratitude for the church, gave a donation to, to, to Our Lady of Perpetual Help and wanted us to get something practical, something that we would use. I don't know if he was imagining an air conditioning unit, but we got a chalice. And um, I don't know, I, something trembles in me at this idea of, in honor of Marty, we have this vessel that will receive the blood of God, the very outpouring of the love of God. We have it in memory of Marty, and we pray that Marty will too be a chalice, that he will receive and he's receiving right now and for all eternity the very blood of the heart of Jesus Christ. That he is being filled with the life and communion with the body of Jesus Christ now and, and for all eternity. So we bless this chalice. I also have the great honor, um, which is very humbling, of washing some of your feet, which I'm not worthy to do. I'm not worthy to be your priest. We celebrate tonight the institution of the priesthood. There's only one priest, that's Jesus. He is your priest, he's your high priest, who has come to save you and offer sacrifice on your behalf to heal you and to bless you. And for some crazy reason, he calls other men to join him, to enter into his priesthood. And I am one of them. And I am utterly unworthy to be up here. I'm unworthy to be uh, an icon or an image of his love for you because he loves you so much. It's like I'm his foot. <laughs> you know, I'm this like, well, here I am. Um, so it's an incredible gift to be your priest. I love it. I love being a priest. I love the ways I, give, I get to come close. The ways I get invited into your lives as a priest. You tend to apologize a lot to me for things that are just incredible gifts. You tend to thank me a lot for things that I feel like I should be thanking you for. It is, it is an incredible privilege beyond my merits to be your priest. So we celebrate the priesthood that Jesus remains present in, in the humble vessel of men who are called to lay down their lives for you. I don't have a wife. I don't have children. Because you are my family. God has given me to you to be a father and a friend. Um, 
and I love you very much. I don't love you to the end yet. I don't love you with everything yet. I'm still flawed and selfish, but I do love you very much. Which means, gosh, how he loves you. <laughs>